Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast. It's your weekly drop back into Whatcom County prep football on the Doug Lang Network at onthedln.com. Now let's hit the huddle with your hosts, Doug Lang, Jeff Bearden, and Tyler Anderson. Welcome to it. That's right. It is time for episode seven of the Cover Three Podcast. That's right. Glad to have you listening along on the Doug Lang Network at www.onthedln.com, or maybe you're listening to us via Apple iTunes on Stitcher Radio or tune in. Either way, thank you so very much, and please tell a friend about us. Uh, the new podcasts drop each and every Thursday during the prep football season, and hopefully it uh, brings you up to speed on everything going on involving the gridiron and Whatcom County in the high school ranks. We've got plenty to get into here, a deep dive into the stats with our own Tyler Anderson from Whatcom Preps, Jeff Bearden joining us as well here. Doug, Jeff, and Tyler on the Cover 3 podcast. We'll also talk with WIAA Athlete of the Week, Meridian quarterback Dawson Logan. There you go. Or as I am almost assuredly going to call him at least once during our broadcast on Friday night, Logan Dawson. I know it. You have two first names. You are going to suffer that at the hands of your broadcaster. We'll also take a look at your Week 7 matchups, your previews, and hear from the coaches, as well, of course, as our Game of the Week, Nooksack Valley versus Meridian at Laurel, Friday, 6.45 p.m. at www.onthedln.com. And, of course, what all the kids are clamoring for these days, 3 questions. That's right. Three questions with your Cover 3 broadcast crew. But first, how about if we get things underway with our opening kickoff? Time for the Cover 3 podcast opening kickoff. All right, let's start with what we saw in week number six. It was our game, and it turned out to be a good one. Uh, Linden remaining undefeated with a 17-14 come-from-behind win over Burlington. And plain and simple, Jeff, you were down there on the sideline, uh, and that one was it was over. Three minutes and change left to go. Burlington had the ball. Linden out of timeouts. Uh, they end up coughing up the football on a fumble recovery for Linden, and, and look at the turnaround. But Burlington probably should have won that game sometimes a little bit of luck uh you know comes into the mix and it certainly did for Linden in that game yeah I mean Burlington they were they were two minutes away and like you said Linden was out of timeouts so all they had to do was run the ball and I'm sure after that running play that they fumbled on I wouldn't have been surprised if they'd gone into a victory formation after that play and just taken a knee the rest of the way because I think they would have been able to run the clock all the way out at that point they had one play they had to make. They did it. Unfortunately, they fumbled it. Luckily for Linden, they recovered and were able to go down the field right away and score. 
but it it was a great game. I've been thinking about that game all week since since we did it. it yeah, it was a lot of fun. It really was, and and I, and I there were so many names that stood out, especially late in the contest. Preston King with the interception that eventually you know ended that ball game. But really, Eric Martin, man, uh, he's the guy that really stands out. That the big seventy five yard run for the touchdown that was so huge in kind of that middle slog of the game that had kind of slowed down, and then he's the guy that recovered that fumble that eventually gave them the opportunity to go down and get the winning score yeah he's he's a heck of a player he's 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 such a quiet kid and but he's so determined and um i've just loved watching him the last year and a half play at the varsity level and he had a he also had to play late on that game winning drive where it was an option to him to the left and it was a good two yards behind him on the pitch at about the nine yard line of Burlington. And he reached back and caught it with one hand, made a couple guys miss, and got all the way down to the one yard line. And if he, you know, if he mishandles that, yep. the game's over. So, um, yeah, he had a great game. He was excited after the game. It was it was great to see him do well and the, and the Linden Lions do well. Moving on with games from week six. How about Bellingham? They rolled to their fourth straight win. They shut out Anacortes, who struggled all season long, 41 nothing. But if we look at what Bellingham was with our first game of the year, Tyler, and where they're at now, it's a sea change, an absolutely huge, as big a change as we've seen all season out of any squad. Yeah, and I think that you know Spencer Lee getting hurt during the pregame really kind of shell-shocked them yeah. because they came out probably with an idea of what they wanted to do and then it just changed because he's such a dynamic player on both sides of the ball and they had to go maybe they had to go to a kid who had never played varsity experience and you're going against a really good Linden Christian team on the road and it just kind of they didn't know what to do now they have an identity they know exactly what they're doing they're playing great together i mean it was 41 nothing at halftime so they 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 just have this huge offensive line these big kids Christian Buttonstone Butch Mullins and they're all on the same page you know, there's since the since Spencer's come back, there hasn't been a ton of injuries. You know, and so they're just running the ball really well. They're playing great defense. They're swarming to the ball, and they have a lot of confidence right now. Elsewhere in Week Six, Squalica moved into a three-way tie for first place in the Wesco 3A North with a 28-14 come from behind victory over Ferndale. The Golden Eagles got off to a quick start, but eventually Squalicum just kind of wore them down, and that was a big second half. And this Squalicum team somewhat doing it kind of under the radar and, and here they are with two more left to go battling for that top spot in the Wesco 3A North they have been impressive their defense at secondary has looked good they they're they're going to be a tough team uh, a tough out in the playoffs right now they'd like to be that number one team heading there yeah they're one of those teams that you know you hear them talk about teams around the state at the 3A level and you hear you know Oak Harbor Eastside Catholic O'Day Nobody is mentioning Squalicum. Right. And I guarantee by the time this season's over and the playoffs come around, they're going to know who Squalicum is. Because right. there's going to be a team or two that's not going to want to play them in the playoffs. And it wouldn't surprise me if they if they do make a little run through the playoffs. Uh, they're just they're just all around a very well well coached team and they have the talent to to do what they do. And finally, then, there was just one. Only one undefeated team left, the Linden Lions. That's because the Linden Christian Lynx, they lost their first game 35-20 to Meridian. That creates the three-way log jam at the top of the uh, standings in the 1A classification of the Northwest Conference between Linden Christian, Meridian, and Mount Baker. And, and this was a game where Meridian 
just cranked up their defense. Lindy Christian couldn't run the football, something that they've been good at much of the season, and that was really the difference maker in this one. Yeah, Coach Ames knows how to take away a strength. Yeah. And um he really did it against Lyndon Christian's run game. And and they I'm sure they went that way knowing they had a, the backup quarterback going. And Bryce Bauman had a really good game. He did. So I mean he threw for 266 yards or something like that and and uh, and in the beginning it was kind of, you know, Dawson Logan scoring a touchdown, Lyndon Christian scoring a touchdown, Dawson Logan scoring, you know, it was it was right. kind of back and forth, but um they eventually shut down that running game that Lyndon Christian has with their big offensive line and 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 uh, Meridian's so good at just kind of swarming and they have great tacklers but um yeah it was it was a good it was a great game uh Lyndon Christian like you said loses their first game of the year Meridian with a big victory we'll have more on the Trojans and the star of that contest here in just a moment but if you've been waiting wait no longer that's right Time to dive into the numbers. That's right. It's stats time. Tyler's been compiling these like crazy. And oh, by the way, don't use his stats unless he says it's okay. Just that simple. What do you got for us, Tyler? Well, I'm just going to go over a few of the leaders here on some other in some of these categories. There's a lot of really close races, and a few of them they're not so close. Spencer Lloyd way out ahead in the rushing, 949 yards rushing, 13 touchdowns, eight yards per carry. Uh, and then second would be Jason Lee. He's the, he's the top running back after a huge game last week. He ran over for over 200 yards. Um, and then in passing, Jace, Jacob Kaepernick has been ahead the whole year. You know, Seaholm has just been airing it out, and he's becoming so much more confident in throwing the deeper passes, and uh, it's really showing with 14 over 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns through the air. But there's been there's some close races right now, and and um, Evan Knightling at Nooksack Valley and Austin Roberts at Seaholm have kind of become you know the go-to guys for each other's team. They're the only two receivers that are over 400 yards receiving. They're also number one and two in the kickoff returns. So you kind of you can. Tell who the guy is that you want to get the ball in space. Do those do those kinds of things. Um, Jacob Kaepernick, like I said, mentioned earlier, he he's leading in passing. He's also leading in punting, and so they kind of do a, some of that quick snap sure. punt. Yep. But um, but uh, Malloy Nelson's been out for a few games. They're nor they're, they're normal punters, so they just put him back to punt now. And and uh, he boomed a couple fifty plus yarders last week. Put him at the top of that. That'll help were, the numbers. You bet. And. Um, uh, scoring wise, you know Spencer Lloyd's been on top of that the whole year. He's at 78 points with his 13 touchdowns, and uh, Bryce Camrath, you know, six field goals so far with 31 total kicking points. But uh, Marco Samukovic has tied him now when he hit that 38 yarder that we saw last week and uh, some extra points. So he's also at 31. And uh, and Kobe Elsner has been ahead of that uh, interception race pretty much the whole year. That's but, uh, Jeff's guy to win the interception crown, by the way. <laughs> but I don't think he's had one since, since I made the prediction. It. Yeah, right. since I started talking about him, I don't that, think he's had it. So I am sorry. Yeah, that's, well, that's on you. Well, Jay, Mr. Elsner, yeah. I am so sorry. <laughs> I will take it all back. Jay, Jay Travier from Seaholm, last year he had five on the season, and he got those in the last two games of the year of this of, of, of the season. So Last week or on Friday, he had two interceptions. And now he's tied with Elsner at four, so he's he's catching up. And um, that's about it for your breakdown of the stats this week. There you go. Those are the numbers and the stats from Tyler Anderson from Watcom Preps. Don't question where the stats come from ever, ever again. All right, uh, let's move on. I, I I don't know where it fits in overall on the season, but I, I think I'm fairly safe in saying that 382 yards and four touchdowns on the ground, one through the air, 
is a pretty good statistical day. That would be what Meridian quarterback Dawson Logan turned in in a 35-20 victory over Lyndon Christian last week. Oh, by the way, on defense, he registered two tackles, two pass breakups as well. I got a chance to talk to Dawson yesterday at practice, and it went a little like this. Dawson, let me ask you, what, 380-some-odd yards combined, five touchdowns you account for. Yeah. What was that last game like for you? And obviously, oh, yeah, and a win. Yeah, it, it, was, it was fun. It was more fun than anything. I liked it. It's always fun watching everyone get out there to have a little bit of fun, and I mean, I like it. Obviously, uh, part of the game plan was to have you running the football and whatnot, but could, where do you accredit the success that you guys had? Obviously, I, I imagine some of that has to go with those guys up front. Yeah, the line, for sure. Yeah, definitely the line. Yeah. What, what was that game like? Because obviously it's been very close for all four of these Whatcom County teams, and, yeah. and yet you guys pulled off a huge victory and one that you guys really needed. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, uh, LC's a good team. We worked our butts off all week of practice, practicing late, doing late practices, so it felt really good to beat them, and everyone was really happy. Are you? When I talked to you at the start of the year, you were excited about obviously stepping in and leading this team, and i got to ask you, are you more comfortable as a running quarterback or a passing quarterback? Because obviously you had success with both this past week. Yeah, uh... I like running the ball more than I do passing, but like I mean, it's the same thing pretty much. So, it's whatever works. Where is this team at as you guys get ready to start the the next three pack of games here against these county schools? Uh, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, we'll probably, hopefully, we'll beat every team. That's what we're working for. Everyone's working hard this week, and it looks good. I like it. What does it mean to get the award? I imagine uh, your teammates have been happy for you, but also I imagine you took a little bit of ribbing, a little bit of uh, joking around here as well. Yeah, a little bit of joking around. Yeah, I try not to tell everyone because I'm just going to get made fun of. So <laughs> I just, I'm just keeping it to myself. They might figure it out as I'm interviewing you here. Yeah. Final one, Nooksack Valley coming up. Yep. What do you know about the Pioneers? What do you expect coming on Friday? Miles um, O'Brien. We got to keep control of him uh, for one. We have, they have um, Evan Neeling back now. And... Uh, so that's going to be, hurt us a little bit, but we should be fine. We should be able to cover him. Uh, hopefully it's the same result as the last time we played him, so we'll see. Dawson, congratulations on the award. We'll see you on Friday. Thank you. There you have it. That is Dawson Logan. He is your WIAA Athlete of the Week after that unbelievable performance in the victory over Lyndon Christian, 35-20. Once again, 232 yards and four touchdowns on the ground, 150 yards on 16 of 28 passing, and a touchdown through the air for the victory. How about the coach, Bob Ames? What are his thoughts on, uh, well, this honor? Well, whenever you have a quarterback that will rush for 260 and throw for 160-some, uh, you hope that you're going to be successful. Um, it was a great team effort coupled with a great individual effort that, uh, that he's been rewarded for, and it's very well earned. I just like the fact that he didn't want his teammates to know about the award. Yeah. That, that, like they were just going to give him too much crap. Uh, all right, there you have it. Uh, we got to step aside. Ah, we get a chance to see Dawson Logan Friday when the Trojans host Nooksack Valley on the Doug Lang Network. More on our game of the week later, but two up next. It's our Week 7 Game Previews on the Cover 3 Podcast. The prep football season is underway, and we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network. 
listen to our game of the week as we follow the gridiron action in Whatcom County. We've got Nooksack Valley at Meridian Friday, October 12th, beginning at 6.45 p.m. Listen live online at www.onthedln.com. Follow the Doug Lang Network through social media. It's the Doug Lang Network on Facebook and on Twitter at OnTheDLN. Give us a like and a follow. You know we'd do the same for you. Welcome back to it. You're listening to the Cover 3 Podcast. On the Doug Lang Network at www.onthedln.com. It's also available to you on iTunes as well as Stitcher Radio and on the TuneIn app. Just download it for free and listen along. So glad to have you listening to the Cover 3 podcast. We'll remind you our game coming up on Friday. It will be Nooksack Valley taking on Meridian. 6.45 is when it gets underway with a 7 o'clock kickoff. All of it online at www.onthedln.com. We'll get to that game of the week in just a moment, but how about if we jump into a preview of some Week 7 matchups? All righty, let's begin with a good one. Number eight, Mount Baker at number six, Linden Christian, 7 o'clock on Friday. The Mountaineers looking for their third win in a row after beating Nooksack Valley 55-21 last week, 424 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. This was a dominating performance. Yeah, Mount Baker looked great, especially right right off the bat. They, they, they blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown, and then they – then they kicked an onside kick, and then they ran it in another long one. So Mount Baker got off to a great lead early. They ran the ball hard, and um, it's uh, against Linden Christian. They really want this one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Linden Christian lost their first game of the season, falling 35-20 to Meridian. Bryce Bauman, 16 of 31, 266 yards, two interceptions uh, in his first start at quarterback. Also got two touchdowns in that ball game as well. Uh, but the Lynx... They're monitoring Trajan Scouten this week as he continues to recover from his shoulder injury on that throwing arm. Elsie uh, hopeful to also get back H-back Sam Faber after missing the Meridian game. He's key to their running attack, and, and Lennon Christian, as good as they are with both of those quarterbacks, they need the run to set up the pass. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's they've proven all year, their first five games of the year, that they can run the football and have good success doing it. Last week, missing a few bodies, they weren't able to run as well as they had, and uh, it ended up hurting them in the end. Now, LC beat Mount Baker 28-20 in their first matchup back on September 21st. This was a game where the final eight and a half minutes, anything that could go wrong for Mount Baker did, everything that could go right for LC did, so it really sets up a, a great second matchup and, well, you know, the strategy comes into play. Mountaineers head coach Ron Lepper says it is a chess match when you play the rematch game. You know, you look at what maybe you did successfully, but so are they. They're going to look at what you did successfully against them. And so um, I think one of the things you want to try to avoid is not to get too caught up in the chess match. You know, you have to make adjustments, but if you overthink it too much, then, you know, you're putting too much on your kid's plate, and then, you know, that can be, the, you know, its own issues. And so... You know, we want to kind of focus on what we're what we are able to do, what we want to try to do, and do it right. And then, and then, you know, if we have to make adjustments during the game, we make adjustments. But um, obviously, you got to look and you know what happened the first game, and then, but again, not try to overanalyze it too much because you can get really caught up in doing that, and then that doesn't really help you or the kid. Now, 
Coaches won't talk about it, but media guys can't. There's got to be a little bit of a revenge factor in this one. Mount Baker has two losses, one to Linden at the start of the year in the final seconds when they don't get the two-point conversion, and then this one where they had that game in hand, and then, as we said, LC kind of roared back over the final eight minutes to win that contest. Got to be a big motivator. Yeah, sure. I mean, I you know, when I quote-unquote played – um, <laughs> we didn't we didn't have this rematch thing, you right? Know? Right. And so, um, I I would have ma- I mean the games we lost, I would have just loved to play them again. And sure. so I know that deep down they they're, they're thinking, man, if I would have just done this or if I would have just done that. And so this is gonna this is going to be a huge weighing factor for Mount Baker in this game. On the other side, Lynx coach Dan Kamick says they have to contain quarterback Kayla Bass on Friday, especially after what Meridian's Dawson Logan did to them last week we're very knowledgeable about the fact that their quarterback could do the same thing to us and so we got to be aware of him um defensively for the most part they really had us figured out last time we played them other than the last eight to ten minutes where we were able to find some things so yeah it's an interesting thing when you play someone twice Doug because you're kind of like going well here's what we did last time what should we do this time and that's the chess match of it. And about halfway through the first quarter, I'll tell you their adjustments, and they'll have figured out our adjustments, and then we'll go from there. But all the respect in the world for Coach Lepper and his guys. I mean, they will show up and they will play, and you know they'll be ready. And I'm, I'm assuming our kids will be too. That is Mount Baker at Linden Christian. Speaking of rematches, Lummy Nation will play host to their top rival, Nia Bay, Friday night. The Blackhawks lost to the Red Devils 40 to 34 three weeks ago. Lummy is coming off of a 64-34 victory over Darrington last week, a game that head coach Jim Sandusky told me he got the physical performance out of his guys that he was looking for. He says they're at about 90% right now in his mind. He says it all starts with the rushing attack for Nia Bay. We've got to stop the run. That's nothing different than we've had to do in the past. Uh, they don't throw the ball real well. Uh, they can throw it, but that's not their forte. So we come in and shut their run run game down. Uh, they'll find it difficult to score. Offensively, we uh, I think we can move the ball in the air on them, but we do have to stretch them uh, out in the run game, and we got to establish some type of a run game. And we got to get off the line of scrimmage and get a push. Jeff, Jim Sandusky, we talked about it last week. They had that Thursday game, and and he was he was ticked. He he want, he made some changes. He said we we're gonna have some new starters in there. We need to get more physical. You put sixty four points up on the board against the Darrington squad. You hold them to thirty four and eight man football. Uh, I think he got the answers that he wanted. But this will be the real test against their top rival. Yeah, I think you know he made those changes. Some of those kids obviously got the job done that he put in and and, uh, and replaced some of the starters with. And, and I'm sure some of those starters are going to be working even harder now going into it. And I expect a different result this time for Lummy, you know, against Nia Bay. I think Lummy, they have the talent. It's just a matter if they can put it all together at one time and, and get the job done. Earlier, we had uh, Dawson Logan as the WIA Athlete of the Week. And Caleb Reavy, the quarterback for Lummy, won it, I believe, in week number one. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to him. I, I mentioned that to, to Jim. You know, okay, so is Caleb, uh, how's he doing? He said, oh, he would be, at this point of the season, he would be my MVP. Quarterback, obviously, in eight-man football, you play a lot of different positions, but he has stepped in and 
really done everything and and really providing a good job leading this team. Common opponents, Nia Bay lost 54-0 to Nazel last week. The Blackhawks, they were beaten by the Comets 46-12 on September 28th. I'm not the stats guy, but make of that what you will. Moving on, number four, Linden at Cedro Woolley, Friday, 7 o'clock. Linden will look to remain perfect. They're 6-0 right now, 3-0 in conference. When they visit Cedro Woolley on Friday, the Lions slipped into a tie at number four in the AP polls after narrowly beating Burlington 17-14 last week. Coach Blake Van Dalen says they will continue to rotate QBs, James Marsh and Brock Hepner. Uh, the quote from him, we got what we wanted out of it, two healthy quarterbacks. And that was a big key because of how, many, how physical the games they've been playing. He said, we're blessed to have two of them, two quarterbacks that, that are healthy moving forward. And it did seem a little bit disjointed in the game that we had against Burlington, but I imagine first time out, it can only get better from here. Yeah, and and when one was playing the quarterback, the other one was still on the field. So right. they so they were, you know, they got it. They didn't lose it too much in sync as far as you know being in and out of the huddle. They were in the huddle the whole time. But you're right. It was a it's a it's a different kind of linen team because they're wanting to run the ball, and both these quarterbacks can run. They only combined for 11 attempts the whole game, right? Which is just not what we're used to seeing with linen football, especially when you have two big, strong-armed quarterbacks. But um, it's working, and you know, Van da- Coach Van Dalen's going to stay with it if it's working. Jeff, you were down there on the sideline where you got too close of a, a look at two injured guys. Injured lineman Jacob Kettles with the knee, Cooper Brown with the elbow. They remain week to week, but the team would love to get them back, says Coach Van Dalen, and they're ready should they return. It'll be curious to see because they are trending better, getting healthier. That would be quite an addition to an already undefeated squad. Yeah, I mean, you add those two guys to that to that roster that they have right now, and, I mean, they've looked really good up front and on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively on the line. But, but if you can add those two, they are going to be that much better. And that's scary to think about because they haven't lost a game yet, and you, you're going to add two all-state caliber players on your line they're going to be really tough to beat. Linden coach Blake Van Dalen says it's a different Cedro Willie squad than the one that opened the season in double tight or double slot wide formations. Recently, they're running a spread set or a wide receiver tight bunch formation. They started the season out looking just like they have in the past, and I don't think they were satisfied with the results because they made a pretty drastic change and changed their offense quite a bit. And so they're different offensively than they've been in the past. Um, they have a new defensive coordinator runs a similar defense to ours. So I feel like uh, they're getting their identity as did Burlington right before us, which is, always seems to be the case. So you know that they're playing for their lives, and, and it's Linden, and it's on their home field. And so it's going to be another, another knockdown drag out, and our boys are going to have to come ready to play. Last year, Cedro Woolley got the better of Linden, 34-20. to Moving on, Stanwood, 0-4, overall, 0-4 in conference. They'll take on a Squalicum squad that's 5-1, 3-1 in conference play. Squalicum in that three-way tie for first place in the Wesco 3A North after they beat Ferndale 28-14. 
Golden Eagles got out to a 14-7 halftime lead. Spencer Lloyd, though, doing a lot of it here. He totals 256 yards of offense, runs for two TDs, throws for two touchdowns. Tyler, as you talked about it, he's dominating statistically within Whatcom County. He really is a do-all quarterback. He's a running back in a quarterback's form. Yeah, he's just a great player. I mean, he can run around you. He can run through you. He can throw the ball. I mean, he was 14 for 18 through the air as well in that game. And, uh, you know, they were shutting him down a little bit early, uh, Ferndale was, but then he just, you know, he's going to break a few. And like you said, he scored a couple of touchdowns. He's just he's just a classic, you know, throwback kind of player. And there's never been a quarterback lead the county in rushing. He could do it this year. Brandon Gimsey returned to the line from injury for the Storm last week, played the full game. Good to see him back. How about the Spartans? They picked up their first win of the year last week. They beat Shorecrest 31-24. The records, well, it looks pretty lopsided. But Squalicum coach Nick Lucy has talked to his guys about avoiding looking ahead to next week's game versus another first-place squad in Oak Harbor and falling in this trap game. One thing we're preaching to our guys, this is a playoff game. You know, if you want, if, 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 if this, this, this is the only game that matters right now. It's playing as well as we can in this game, and um, if you don't believe it, uh, you better believe in how that, you know, all of a sudden that, that makes a difference in, in next week and then the week after that as we we cross over with the South. So I tell our guys, hey, and this is a good scrappy team. These guys have gotten better every week. They played their best ball last week. They'll have the best uh, tailback, I think. He's a, he's a shifty seller, and they want to come down. He'll hit you in the mouth. And uh, they beat us last year and kind of you know, got our season start a little, little bit thrown off track. So, um, boy, there, there better be motivation to come out and play real well this week. Last year, Stan Wood beat Squalicum 36-28. to how about Cedarcrest visiting Blaine? Cedarcrest three and three, one and two in conference play. They'll take on a Blaine team that's two and four, but zero oh and three in conference play. Blaine looking to halt a four-game losing streak and to pick up their first Lake Division victory when they host Cedarcrest. Borderites they fell behind early, got thumped by first place Mount Lake Terrace, forty to nothing last Friday. Blaine managed just thirty-four yards of offense in the loss. It, it they just. They just weren't there in that ball game. And, and obviously, there's still something to play for here with two games left and a chance to move on to a Week 9 matchup. But they've got to get better right out of the gate. I think that this week, I mean, you're right, Doug. And I, and, and I think that this week is, you know, playing at home. And I, I think it's homecoming this week and everything, and all that stuff. Sure. And, I, and they always play really close games at home. It doesn't matter. I mean, they played, I mean, Meridian last year, they played. They only lost him by six at home last year. So they are a team that I think will be pumped up to play. They're excited to get a win in the in the late conference, and I really think it's going to happen. I believe Jay Dodd and his, and his crew. The Borderites, they're hoping for a boost. They'll get wide receiver, you name it. He can play a lot of different positions. Derek Machula back. He's expected back from injury. He is expected to play against Cedarcrest. Blaine coach Jay Dodd says key number one versus Cedarcrest is stopping all-purpose back. Tyler Gray. They have a, a, a offensive skill guy. They try and get the ball to him many, many different ways. Where's number twenty? Uh, plays wide receiver. Plays halfback in the wing tee, uh, and he's very explosive. And, and he's a guy that one of the guys that they're trying to get the ball to. They have a good fullback as well that plays inside linebacker and a good tight end that plays D tackle. And uh, so they've got some good players um, out there. And uh, you know they're organized. They're they're lining up right and they're well coached. So uh, we'll have a we'll have a uh, we'll have our hands full on Friday. 
The Red Wolves shut out by Seaholm, 33-0 at home last Friday. How about either one of these teams just looking to score a combined 73 to nothing in their uh, matchups last week? Moving on, Marysville, Pilchuck at Ferndale. The Tomahawks, 5-1, and 3-1 and one in conference play, taking on a Ferndale team that's 1-5 and five and 1-3. and three. It's a matchup between teams going in different directions. Ferndale has lost three straight. Marysville Pilchuck is looking for their fifth victory in a row. Golden Eagles lost at home 28-14 to Squalicum last week in a defensive-minded game despite two touchdowns throwing from quarterback Sequoia Julius. Tomahawks, they pounded Marysville Getchell 33-3 last week. Jeff, this Ferndale team, they're a team that has started out good in so many games, including the game that we had uh, in their win over Marysville Getchell, but they haven't been able to put in or put together a four-quarter performance here so far this season. Yeah, I mean, the game we saw them, they, they looked great in the first half, came out, and then the third quarter happened, and it was like they looked like a, a completely different team. Yep. Fourth quarter, they were able to pick it up again and get it going. And it, as a coach, it's got to be so frustrating to not have your team being able to play a full four quarters of football out there. And, you know, Ferndale's got the talent. They've got a lot of talented kids. And for some reason, they just have not been able to put it together for an entire game this year. And, you know, hopefully this is the week they can get it done. I mean, they're going to have a real tough time with Marysville. Yeah, absolutely. Ferndale coach Jamie Plankovich says despite the losses, his group is still bringing the effort as they transition now into a spoilers role. I've actually been impressed with how our kids have handled it. We had a great meeting on Monday, and we're all trying to diagnose how we can get better. And and uh, their attitude and practice has been exceeding. Extremely well. We've had two good practice weeks this, these last two weeks, and um, you know I'm hoping for our kids. They they deserve to have some success on Friday night with uh, how we've been doing things in, in practice, and I believe we're still getting better. And that's a, a, a testament to our group. I've talked about the last couple of weeks how you know adversity is going to reveal our character, and none of us are real happy about where we're at. But the kids have done a good job of of really coming out and, and working hard and continuing to try to get better in practice. Last year, Ferndale, well, they took care of business 46-7 to over Marysville Pilchuck. The best game might be the last game on Friday's schedule as Bellingham visits Mount Lake Terrace with an 8 o'clock kickoff. Bellingham 4-2, 3-0 in the conference. How about Mount Lake Terrace? 4-2, 3-0 in the conference. The two teams have each won four straight and are tied for the top spot in the Northwest Conference Lake Division. Bellingham coming off of that 41-0 shutout of Anacortes in a game that featured a running clock for the duration of the second half. Red Raiders, 325 yards on the ground, three touchdowns each for Jack Fields and Towner Goodman. The Hawks, they combined for 290 yards of total offense in their 40 to nothing shutout of Blaine. Tyler, I think if people had said, oh, I think it's going to be Mount Lake Terrace and Bellingham at the top of the Lake Division at the start of the year, especially after they both got off to 0-2 starts, I don't think anybody would have believed us. That's why they play the games, hey, Doug. There it is. I mean, yeah, you're right. I, you know, I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed it. And and it's I love it when you know Bellingham is playing the, the way that they are, and they're, they're off to a four and two start for the first time since 2002, I believe it is. And so uh, this is a huge game for them on the road, late start. You know, uh, it's if they can just harness that whatever it is that they got going on, right. you know, 
they're and Mount Lake Terrace played almost an identical game last week against Blaine. You know, this one being on the road, if they can take care of Mount Lake Terrace on this, then that'll really show that what they're made of. Bellingham has found their identity. They're a running team, and they're going to look to try and run over the top of the Hawks. The game at Edmonds District Stadium is following a 5 p.m. homecoming matchup between Shorewood and Edmonds. I can't make out that last word. Uh, Bellingham coach Ted Flint says the late start it can be problematic. It always seems to, the game that's first two always seems to run on forever. I mean, we played after, last time we did this, we played after that 12th game where both teams scored, you know, 80 points. So we didn't get started until about 9 o'clock. So I hope that's not the case again. Um, you know, and Edmonds is always tough because our fans have a tough time getting down there. So the stadium always seems kind of quiet and subdued. So, you know, all that makes it difficult. We will see what happens. It is Bellingham at Mount Lake Terrace, 8 o'clock at Edmonds District Stadium on Friday. How about a Saturday matchup? It is Anacortes at Seaholme. That one, 7 o'clock on Saturday. Seaholme, 3-3 three three for the first time since 2004. The Mariners pounded Cedarcrest 33-0 on the road last week. It was the Jacob Kaepernick and Austin Roberts show as the two hook up for three touchdowns through the air. Kaepernick threw for four touchdowns on the night. And the defense held the Red Wolves in check with just 92 yards of total offense. Uh, we saw Seaholme twice this year. Once where they struggled against Mount Baker, once where they looked awfully good against Blaine. This might have been their most complete victory of the season. Yeah, and you know, they that was coming off of, you know, last week or the week before last, they had a performance that, you know, they weren't very happy with. And we figured they were going to come fired up. And you know, I think coach Beeson got his guys ready to go. They realize that they are a better team than how they played the week prior. And, you know, they, they took it out on Cedar Crest last week. I mean, that was just how it worked out. And, you know, Seam's playing pretty well. I would not want to be Anacortes this week because Seam's, they're playing pretty well again. And uh, it could be a long night for Anacortes. On the other side of the ledger, the Seahawks were held to just 39 yards of offense in their loss to Bellingham. Anacortes has yet to record a win so far this season. The odds look good for Seaholm, but Coach Kevin Beeson says they're staying focused on this week and not looking ahead to next week's city rivalry clash with Bellingham. Going on game means nothing. If you don't take care of business against Anacortes here, and the Anacortes is still, even though they, the record may not reflect it, they're still working hard and they're still a very competitive ball club who has some players who have no quit in them, and that, I'm sure that staff has not quit in them. So uh, they're going to come out and do what they do. They, do, they run a uh, single and double wing offense, uh, run the ball a lot, and uh, they run a three four on defense. And uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna try and get out to you the best they can, and uh, and we're we're ready for that. And we've answered that call and play our our style, our brand of football, and uh, you know, and and come away with a W on Saturday if we can. Last year, Anacortes beat Seaholm 35-21. Once again, that's a Saturday affair at Civic Stadium at seven o'clock. And there you have it, your Week 7 previews. Well, there is one more game. It just happens to be our game of the week, a 1A showdown in Laurel. The Meridian Trojans playing host to the Nooksack Valley Pioneers. We will get to it. Break it all down with the coaches when we come back with more right here on the Cover 3 broadcast on the Doug Lang Network.
Sports and activities allow you to show what skills you have, but sportsmanship shows the kind of character you have. Present yourself in a way that is respectful towards others and exemplifies honest character and good sportsmanship. Ethics, integrity, and respect are important values in our daily lives. On the playing field, these values are translated into a display of sportsmanship. Remember, sportsmanship, it's how you play the game. A message from the Northwest Conference and the Doug Lang Network. You can now listen to On the DLN on iTunes. Just search for the Doug Lang Network. Click and enjoy. Welcome back to it. It's the Cover 3 Podcast on the Doug Lang Network, available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and the TuneIn app. I'm glad, as we all are, that you are listening along. New podcasts each and every Thursday during the prep football season. You know what it's time for, don't you? It's our Game of the Week. The Doug Lang Network Game of the Week. Snooksack Valley versus Meridian from Laurel. Friday, October 12th. Coverage begins at 6.45 p.m. at www.onthedln.com. Breakdown. Whew. It is time to break it all down as we will be in Laurel. It will be the Trojans taking on the Pioneers for the second time this season. Meridian locked into a three-way tie for first place with Lyndon Christian and Mel Baker. Nooksack Valley still looking for their first 1A conference victory. The Trojans knocked LC from the ranks of the undefeated 35-20 last week. Dawson Logan accounting for five touchdowns and 382 yards of total offense. Nooksack Valley once again bitten by the turnover bug in a 55-21 loss to the Mountaineers. The Pioneers surrendered the football five times, according to Coach Meyer. I think he was counting in those uh, onside kicks in there as well. Nonetheless, uh, that's kind of where things start for Nooksack Valley. Let's hear from the head coach, Rob Meyer. He says they've got to flip the script on the turnovers. As a high school football team, we're going to have some turnovers, but we're not doing our part in forcing the other team to do to make turnovers we need, we of course need to do a better job protecting the two games in a row where we've had five turnovers but if we're losing the turnover battle five to one or five to zero we're really going to struggle you know winning those football games tyler when i looked at the stats it wouldn't look as lopsided as it did on the scoreboard if you just read those numbers. Nooksack Valley can put up a ton of yards, and they seem to be able to put up a ton of move that ball between the 20s. Once they get inside that red zone, they've had all kinds of troubles and turnovers is chief amongst them. Yeah, it's you know their offense. I love their offense. You know, I love what they do. I love the schematics of everything. I love Evan Knightling and Austin O'Brien and and uh, all the weapons that they have. But you're right. There's something that happens. And uh, they have—they're having to drive these long fields, and and um, they're—you know—they're giving the ball up, and sometimes they're going forward or you know whatever. But uh, I—you know—you you can't put anything. I mean, they're gonna—I think they're gonna win one of these conference games, and it could sure. be this week. And so they have the ability to do it. And but Coach Meyer is right—they have to hold on to the ball and force the turnovers. Second matchup between these two teams. Meridian coach Bob Ames remembers the first time these two teams squared off. It was a 21-14 Trojan victory. They probably should have won that game. And I'm sure they know that. And they've got some of their guys. Well, they got all but one. The poor Baylor Galley with the, with the bad leg. 
but they have all the rest of the guys back, and they're really looking forward to to a 3-0 finish here. So we just have to be able to find out, find some way to slow them down. Jeff, we remember that game where we were kind of looking at that scoreboard and we saw Nooksack Valley's out in front. You know, what, 14 nothing at one point in that contest before Meridian turns it on. And, and look, you give these coaches, those four coaches in the 1A ranks are so good. You give them enough time to come back, they're going to. And that's what Meridian was able to do. But I, I know there's some Bob Ames speak in there, but I don't know that the confidence factor is so great after a narrow victory last time out. No, you know, Nooksack, they they gave Meridian all they could handle, and you know it, it took a, a great effort by Meridian to come back in the and win that game, the first game of league play. I, I'm interested to see what both coaches do this this weekend because they're going to come out with completely different game plans, and that's the thing when you play each other two times, you can't run the same stuff you did the first time because they've already seen it. So it's going to be interesting to see what both teams do offensively and defensively tomorrow night. Ah, as if we had rehearsed, and we have not. Coach Meyer says it's always a great game of strategy when you square off for the second time in a season. Both of us will look at each other and see how we play the other defensively, and then you can kind of game plan around that. Uh, But then... With that, you realize that the other team is doing that, so you're going to have to change some stuff that you did defensively. One of the biggest things for us is just making sure we continue to get lined up right. In the first half, we did an outstanding job of that the first time we played them. And in the second half, we really struggled with it, and it was the difference in the game. On the other side of things, what does Coach Ames think about heading back into the second round of games against the Pioneers, Mountaineers, and the Lynx? You know, it, it's it's business as usual. I think it's it's harder on the coaches, maybe. <laughs> this, you know, the way this is set up. But uh, we're all in the same boat. Everybody's got folks hurt, and uh, but everybody's excited to see what the what these three games will mean for all of us. Tyler, it should be a good matchup of a couple of very impressive quarterbacks to watch. We've already talked plenty about Dawson Logan, but Austin O'Brien, uh, both both of these quarterbacks having to step into some huge shoes and doing some impressive things very different than their predecessors. Yeah, they both played a lot of offense in the last few years as well, but now they're both getting a chance to play quarterback. They're both seniors and but they're very they put up similar numbers but they're very different in kind of the way they do it. Dawson Logan is, you know, takes these long strides and he looks like a deer out there shifting around. Austin O'Brien looks like they just stuffed him into a shotgun and shot him. <laughs> and he just and he just can just shoot through and he can you know, it's and you know, he's only about 5'7", five, 5'8" five, and and uh, they're just two different players but like you said they put up the similar things. And uh, I'm excited to watch these two play. Were you guys eye-to-eye during the interview? No, he's taller than I am. No! <laughs> okay, there we go. Uh, all right, uh, what does... Uh, wait a minute, where am I going here? Where am I going? I am going to uh, Coach Meyer. Coach Meyer says their game plan, it has to start with trying to contain Dawson Logan. We need to contain the quarterback. He is very effective on his feet, and he has a great arm um, as well, but... But to let him get out of the pocket and scramble is is a bad thing for us, and so and it's it's been real tough to do. Uh, our, there are other opponents that have had a hard time with that, but that's goal number one: is keep him in the pocket. Good luck with that. That is a very tall task. On the other side, in typical Bob Ames fashion, the coach had a glass half empty response to the keys to victory question. Well, right now, 
you know, we, we want to be able to slow the quarterback down and see if we can cover the receivers. And if, if we can do any, you know, either one, we might still be in the game. Just might. Maybe. Just might. That is our game of the week. It is Friday, October 12th. We take to the air at 6.45 with the pregame show. It's a 7 o'clock kickoff from Laurel at Meridian High School. The Trojans playing host to Nooksack Valley, and we'll tease it here. Hopefully you'll be listening along at halftime. Uh, you can hear our interview with Shannon Roland Clayus, or now just Shannon Clayus, uh, the head volleyball coach at Meridian High School, but also a member of that 1998 state championship volleyball team that will be honored October 16th in their home match against Seaholm. 20 years since they won the school's first ever state championship. That's coming up at halftime of our broadcast of the Meridian Nooksack Valley game on Friday. All of it at www.onthedln.com. All righty. Just about time to put a wrap on things, but we'd be remiss if we didn't do it with three questions for your Cover 3 crew right here on the Cover 3 podcast. The prep football season is underway, and we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network. Listen to our game of the week as we follow the gridiron action in Whatcom County. We've got Nooksack Valley at Meridian Friday, October 12th, beginning at 6.45 p.m. Listen live online at www.onthedln.com. Local voice. Yes! Local teams. Yes! Local roots. Yes! The Doug Lang Network. Online at onthedln.com. Welcome back to it. You know what that music means. That's right. Just about time to put a wrap on things on the Cover 3 podcast, on the Doug Lang Network, also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and on your TuneIn app. But you know you want to know more about the Cover 3 broadcast crew, and you get an opportunity with three questions. Yours truly, Doug Lang, along with Tyler Anderson and Jeff Bearden. I've got the questions and the correct answers. Away we go. All right, what sporting event is on your bucket list? Something you've never gone to to see, but it's on your bucket list, and why? Tyler just reached for his head as if this is like some painful trigonometry question. So, Jeff, I will hope that it isn't painful for you, and you will start. Uh, it's easy for me. It yeah. is the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. Ah, I've never, never been. Never been, and... Ping! Yeah, ping! I, yeah, I wish they'd get rid of the aluminum bats, but no, I've never been, and I would love to go there one of these years and just go for like a week and watch, you know, two games a day. And, sure, sure. And that uh, would easily be number one on my bucket list. Very nice, very nice. Tyler, I hope you've gotten over whatever kind of pains that this question brought about, and you're ready to give us an answer. What's on your sporting uh, event bucket list and why? Uh, I do like Jeff's answer, but yep. uh, you know what? <laughs> 
It's the state championship football game. Oh my gosh! Have I've you be- never been? Never been. Um, and uh, what? Because it's not in Walken County, Doug. Okay. You, you gotta. Wow. You gotta. You know, put me in a net and get me out of the county. Okay. So I know there's lots of coaches listening. <laughs> Just I, I know. Every, no pressure. Every <laughs> week you're coming up with a theme, something on the bulletin board, on the on the wipe on wipe off board. You know, let's win it for so and so. At this point, don't you all want to win it for Tyler? Get him to a state championship game? I, if I could give you one of the 8,000 that I've covered, I would. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I I feel as if we've got a better shot for you than for Jeff, at least for this year. At least for this year. Yeah, I, I think so. All right. Uh, mine, there's plenty. Um, a World Cup would be cool, but only if it was in Germany. Um, uh, I, I I love the U.S. Open in tennis because it's tennis being played in New York at like 3 a.m. for no apparent reason. And it's also 107 degrees usually in September at that time. So it, it, just, it just feels like, hey, I don't know, like just poor timing in whoever came up with the idea. But I still would like to do that. But Kentucky Derby. Kentucky Derby. I would like to go to the Kentucky Derby, uh, and I I think you've got to be plastered. You've got to be wearing like like you fell out of a Brooks Brothers catalog with exactly. like just the the you know the blue blazer and the whole thing, um, you know mint juleps all around. And uh, I'm not a gambling guy, so I'd like somebody to kind of not only get me there but also kind of stake me with some money that I could gamble theirs. I think that would make it a whole lot better for me. All right, uh, question number two. What was your first car, and how did you do with the ladies based on your ride? Tyler, you're up. What you got? <laughs> it was a yellow 1972 Ford Maverick. Hello, ladies. That's right. Yeah. To go with my yellow Mohawk at the time. How, how'd it do? Was it... Uh, oh, it was fantastic. It really? It was full of really? uh, musical equipment, and uh, it was it was awesome. It was a bench seat. Okay. All right. And and, uh, and, and was it was it a good, uh, like, hey, ladies, you want to get in the old 72 here? Huh? <laughs> were, they, were they impressed? Oh, it was it. It stood out at school okay. for sure, much sure. like I did. So sure. uh, it uh, it matched. It was great. Three hundred eighty-two dollars and seventy cents. Yes. Yeah. Wow. It was awesome. Yeah. Still paying that off, I hear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeff, I had a nineteen. Was either seventy-eight or seventy-nine uh, Volkswagen Rabbit Brown. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> and brown no less. With with. With a tape, a cassette player in it, so that made it a little upgrade. Sure, you know, at the sure. time, you know that was sure. Cool. It's brown, but I got a cassette in here. That's right, <laughs> hey That's ladies, right. I got a cassette. ELO, come on, hop in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I don't think we need to know how the ladies dealt with that ride. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they did. Uh, for me, uh, well, it's a little bit of a longer story. Uh, as a uh, 15 near 16 year old. Uh, I learned how to drive uh, on on my stepdad's car and my father's car. My father's car was a 914 Porsche uh, with the pop top and the whole thing. And I was really excited because then my dad got a new car and the Porsche was sitting in the garage. And so Doug did the logical thinking like, okay, hey, the Porsche. And I even brought it up like, oh, it'd be so great. And I could get it. I kept dropping a ton of hints and a ton of hints. And dad didn't say no. He didn't quite say yes, but I kind of got him leaning in that direction. And then there was the horrible day <laughs> where he said, I got a really great offer on the car. There's a collector that wants it. So I'm going to have to sell him the car. But I talked to your mom and you're going to get her car. I had already told everybody (laughs) 
<laughs> Upon leaving school my, my sophomore to junior year, my birthday is in the summer, that I was going to be getting a Porsche, and uh, I was pretty excited about it. My mom's car... A 1969 Volkswagen Squareback, so their version of a station wagon. Needless to say, upon arriving for my junior year in the Volkswagen station wagon, I got plenty of Hey Lang, sweet Porsche. For about the first three months of the year. Well, they're both German. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, and that's where the similarities yeah. end. Yeah. Air cooled. Uh, if you ever needed to, all the hair burned off of your ankle. Uh, <laughs> that that that's about the best thing that you could ever get out of that air cooled uh, Volkswagen Squareback. It was horrible. And uh, I still don't know if a lady has ever been in there other than my mom. <laughs> Let's be very, very clear. All right. Uh, and finally, in uh, three questions. As we get closer and closer to the holiday, uh, best Halloween candy, worst Halloween candy, as my wife gets ready to go buy some more for the bowls that we just eat as opposed to give away. Tyler, what do you got? Best, I'm going to go Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Yes. Um, Good choice. I, I buy a ton, and there's this little kid every year that just digs them out. I love it. Is sure. That, he shows up multiple times. Very I'm nice. totally fine with it. I get it. Worst? Ooh, Worst. Man, I, I, you know, I just don't really like Butterfingers very much. Wow. I mean, I'll have one, and then I'm like, why did I have this? Really? So I'm, I'm trying to think of something other than, you know, like, you know, bo- uh, you know, you know, the obvious, you know, bad answers, but like a candy-wise, or maybe good and plenty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's not, it's bad and less is what I would like out of that. <laughs> not good and plenty. Bad and less, yeah. Jeff, what you got? Uh, I have two. Okay. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, obviously... Best, My, the best, okay. and and hundred grand bars. Really, I love the hundred grand. I don't know what it is about those. You thought there was really money in there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. You kept eating and eating. You thought it was like Willy Wonka. Yeah, I thought Grandpa. I was going to get the golden ticket. I yeah. never did. And you'd go and wake up your grandparents who were sleeping, uh, head to foot, yes. <laughs> all four in a bed. <laughs> I want a hundred grand. Worst is almond joy. Really? I am not a coconut guy. Oh. Yeah, I just, no, nah, no. So wrong. Yeah, I give so those wrong. away. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> At least they've got the nut in there. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Well, the other usually one, I'm a nut. Just yeah. mounds, yeah. just nothing but coconut. So yeah. then you're really yeah. hating it. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you, you both are right. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, hands down, is the best. I don't like it when they make them bigger. I actually like the small ones. Just a bunch of the small little yeah. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are totally good. You don't need to mess around with Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Although I will say dark chocolate Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, I will actually fight somebody for them. They're that good. Wow. They're that good. Bad candy, and there's plenty out there, and shame on you if this is what you've brought to the Halloween front door. If in any way, in any shape, you think applets and cotlets are a candy, you should have your windows soaped and your house TP'd, and you should be pantsed. It's just horrible. It's awful. It's not a candy. I'm sorry, middle of the state of Washington, if you're upset about my news. Uh, the other one, Almond Roca. I'm sorry, they look like small dog poops, and <laughs> they're not. They're, look, they come in that weird tin where you think like, oh, how great could this be? No, terrible. Just terrible. I'm sorry. So uh, if you're doing that for Halloween, you deserve whatever pranks are played on you. Uh, needless to say, any of the people that are like, I go healthy. Here's a box of raisins. No, 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 no. no. no or a dime or something like that. Or worse, the caramel apple. 
apple. Who hands out? Here you go, kid. I hope it doesn't get in the way of your your Frankenstein outfit and your bag of candy. Hold this the rest of the night. God, just terrible. No, anyway. There you have it. Hopefully you feel like you know just a little bit more about your Cover 3 broadcast crew. That's the Cover 3 podcast two-minute warning here on the Doug Lang Network. That's right. It's time for the two-minute warning. Time for us to get on out of here, and we will do it in fine fashion. Just two games as the Cougars are off this Saturday. Time for the QB to go by himself a mustache comb. That's right. All right, uh, let's go with UW at Oregon. Great game. Dogs at Ducks, 12-30. Jeff, who do you got? UW wins by seven. Ooh, tight ball game. Tyler? Yeah, Huskies have this one. It'll be tough on the road, but uh, I'm going Huskies by 10. Wow, by 10, even stretching it out. Uh, I'm going with my heart instead of my head here. I'm going to say tight ball game. UW wins it, but just by one. One nothing, your final in Eugene. CFL rules. And across the pond, it is the Seahawks and my Oakland Raiders in London, 10 a.m. Sorry to go all Chris Berman ham on you there. Uh, What do you got, Jeff? Seahawks, Raiders. I think Marshawn Lynch is going to have a big day, and I think the Raiders pull it off by three. Tyler, what do you got? Wow. If I'm going to go all Austin Powers here, I'm going to say the Seahawks got it, baby. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Um, <laughs> Raiders. Raiders. I, and I agree with Jeff. I think Marshawn Lynch is going to go off, and then we're going to have an international incident when he grabs his, uh, what, Big, his Big Ben yeah. <laughs> jumping into the end zone. <laughs> there you have it. Enjoy those games. We'll see you Friday for our game of the week. Nooksack Valley at Meridian, 645 at www.onthedln.com. The Doug Lang Network. We'll talk to you again on the Cover 3 podcast. Thanks for listening to the Cover 3 Podcast. Download and listen each week on iTunes, TuneIn.com, Stitcher Radio, and online at OnTheDLN.com. Whatcom County Prep football fans, we've got you covered on the Doug Lang Network.